Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the UXR podcast slash the learners podcast slash we're excited about UXR Conf coming up in a couple of months. So uh, we thought what better to do than get to know some of the wonderful people who are going to be speaking at UXR Conf and the other events that we've got coming up this June. Today, I'm very happy to be welcoming uh, a friend of mine who I've had the pleasure of meeting a couple of times. Her name is Deirdre Costello, and she's the director of UX Insights at Toast. Hi, how are you? Alec, I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here. How are you? <laughs> I'm hanging in. I'm doing all right. I- I'm, I'm really excited because you're one of the people who came out to one of our past in-person conferences back in 2019. That was a little while ago. That was a little while ago. I still have my MailChimp action figure um, (laughs) from the conference. Jillian O'Callaghan, who's on my team, and I both made it in person. And um, it was just, it was actually the first time that I had ever been to a conference that was just for researchers. You know, a lot of design conferences with research tracks but the first time where it was just like a room and a building and an experience full of our people. And it was pretty wild. It's good to be with your people, eh? <laughs> it's very good to be with your people. Now, this, this next time, you're going to be joining in a bit of a different capacity because you're mm-hmm. going to be speaking this year. Yeah, that is correct. And that's super fun. So I think before we get into your talk stuff, I, I would love to just get a bit of a vibe check on how things have been for you the last couple of years. Cause you're not just like, you know, an independent or individual contributor. You've got a team to take care of. You've got people. And it's, it's been, it's been a time, hasn't it? Alec, it has been an absolutely wild ride. I'm a huge introvert. And so um, people are surprised by that because I can fake it really, really well. But I'm a huge introvert. And when we went home for what kind of feels like might be forever, two years ago, one of the first things that happened was that I was an individual contributor on a team of eight and we were growing. And we, because of COVID-related layoffs, we became a team of three and I was in charge. And so that was a, as part of that, Um, you know, there were a lot of people, especially women who had been ICs at Toast for a long time, who were immediately and rapidly elevated to management positions and Toast invested in leadership coaching. So went from an IC to a manager running a function, running a team and getting leadership coaching at the same time as like, all of a sudden I was at home. There's no water cooler talk. No one's following me to the bathroom. I don't have to make small talk while I'm washing my hands. I don't have to make eye contact with anybody if I don't want to. And I just, it was this weird balance of the world falling apart, you know, like stuff happening in the United States, um, politically, the death of George Floyd, like all of this, the world being a very hard place to be a human being at the same time that I was just experiencing explosive professional growth. It's a bit of a contrast. Uh, (laughs) It is. It is is a bit of a contrast, um, but I'm someone who like, I like to compartmentalize too. And so when the world gets hard for me and it's been hard, the world has been hard. Personal life has been tough over the last few years. I like, not always, I take time to process too, but I like to come to work and solve the problems in front of me. And there have been a lot of really good problems in front of us. And we've grown from a team of three researchers to a team of 15 with two two research ops folks. Wow, that's a lot of growth. Yeah, 
That's really cool. Yeah. Well, since, since you brought it up, like, how did you think about where you were going to, this is a question I'm always fascinated by, because I think it can be really different for different people in different places. But how did you think about what the re- new researchers you hired were going to focus on and how to like, you know, uh, there's an infinite number of questions to be asked. You know, how did you develop a framework for this is a set of things that we need an individual looking into, and this is another set of things that we need an individual looking into? That's a really great question. And the first is, I'm going to quote one of the researchers on my team, lead researcher on platform and data products who recently joined us, Chloe Colley out of Houston. She says, go where the water flows. So identify the places where you're being actively pulled into conversations about learning, where teams are asking how they can get the most out of a learning effort. And from there, start to take the feeling out of it. As a research leader, don't be on the hook for deciding which places get research. Say, here are all the places that need research. And for the people that need to spend the money to bring researchers to those places, how will they prioritize those things? Got it. That's interesting. This actually ties in a little bit to some of the stuff that you're going to be talking about. So I wonder if you could very, very briefly, because we can't give too much away until until the day of, if you could briefly kind of summarize what it is you, you're going to be talking about and a related point of, you know, where this kind of comes from for you, right? From our experience, we see that a lot of talks, uh, there's often a source of inspiration where you realize that there's something that needs to be talked about that maybe other people haven't paid as much attention to or don't realize it's as important as you do. So what is it and where does it come from for you? Okay, I'm going to try really hard to be brief and I'm going to trust you to keep me honest. Um, (laughs) Okay. I'm living with a mental illness. I have obsessive compulsive disorder and um, it's in the family of anxiety disorders. And uh, one of the things that means for me is I have to be very, very conscious about my battery level. I don't love that metaphor. It's my therapist metaphor, but you know, kind of the, how much emotional energy do I have at any given time? And what are the activities that give it back to me? And what are the activities that take it out? And um, kind of understand when I'm in the red and when I, when it's really time to recharge. And so I'm really, um, I do a lot of self-reflection. I'm really conscious about understanding at any given time where I am in terms of my emotional energy level. And you know, that, was its own set of challenges as an IC. And I don't know that I always handled it very well and learned some good lessons there. Um, That set of challenges changed when I became a manager because as someone who has empathy as a superpower, one of the things I struggle with is drawing boundaries between where my feelings end and the other person's feelings begin. And when should I be responsible for someone else's feelings? And what does that mean? Because that's one thing that can drain your battery really quickly. As a manager, that challenge started to take on really new dimensions. And I will tell, I'm very open about this. One of the big mistakes I made as a manager initially was that I indexed more heavily on whether my team members were happy and comfortable over whether they were doing the quality of work that would have the impact that it needed to have or that it could have, which is like, do I believe that everyone deserves to be happy and comfortable? Yes, I do. Do I believe that people who are happy and comfortable do the best work? Yes, I do. But that is not the way that the organization measures success. And so we, I, I needed to change how I was thinking. And I was struggling with this one day and, and getting some guidance from my manager. And the first thing she did kind of knocked me on my butt. She said, yeah, 
researchers have big feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and this is someone who like, you know, I am technically a researcher reporting up into a designer, but this is someone who's like, I think of her as a mermaid. She's part researcher, part designer. She's worked as a designer. She's worked as a researcher. She's a great design thought leader in our organization. And so I, I sat with that for a second and I was like, holy moly, you're right. I had never, I like, I had never thought that we as researchers might be significantly different from other professions in terms of the way our our emotions show up in the workplace. And that is the kind of the root of the talk. That's awesome. I remember reading through uh, a bit in your submission where I feel feel like you you kind of pierced me a bit, uh, where it was just, you know, something along the lines of often a lot of researchers when they're early on in their lives, they are around people where they have to be responsible for their feelings, right? And, you know, not not that I had it so bad or anything like that, but this is a thing that I think in conversations I've had has definitely held true where, you know, you kind of at a younger age learn to be extra perceptive of that stuff. And then one day we, we grow up and we realize that this is a commercially valuable skill, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and there needs to be some work to be done uh, around that you know, around constructing the right boundaries and support mechanisms and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, you're going to, you're going to dig into a little bit. So that's really cool. I think it's such a great story too. It's funny how so often, you know, these big ideas kind of are pushed a little bit by people who are outside of our space, right? They give you that little hint of perspective to really help you get there. And I will, um, I needed that. I needed that acknowledgement. I needed for someone who was enough outside of our field and our field of experience to say like, yeah, you're different. Cause I didn't, I didn't think of that on my own. Earlier you said, I didn't have it so bad. I don't think it's it like, you don't have to have had it worse than most other people to feel the effect of something from your childhood. No doubt. Yeah. We're all works in progress, right? We're all works in progress. That's right. <laughs> you know, I think another thing that you mentioned that uh, that's also interesting is this kind of obsession over everyone around us, be it customers and users, teammates, stakeholders, leaders, whatever. And, and often a, a real lack of, you know, like you said, self-reflection, right? You know, like we segment all these users by all these characteristics, by all these motivations, by all these whatever, right? And yet we don't often look back at the commonalities between ourselves in terms of what makes us successful here, you know? So I think, I think it'll be a really interesting lens that you're going to take. Thank you. I'm really excited. The anxiety dreams have already started, which is why I'm so grateful for all of the like checkpoints that will help me make sure that the content I'm sharing with this community that's really important to me. Um, and speaking from past experience has very high standards. Um, make sure that it's it's worth it. Yeah, well, you know, the community is is wonderful, and uh, glad to to be a part of it as always. Um, what, speaking of community, what are some of the things that um, you know this this field is constantly changing, and you know the work we do changes, the way we do the work changes, who's in the field changes, all all of this change. Is there anything in particular, whether it's you know certain achievements or rather certain challenges that you think are on the horizon for the community that, that you're kind of looking forward to over the next year or so? Um, I'll make you a deal. I will answer this question if you also answer it. Sure, fine. <laughs> okay. Oh boy, there are always hard things we're going to deal with. 
So I'm going to focus on the exciting things we're going to accomplish. I think this has already happened. I, I think that the sea change has already started happening and I think we've already hit the balance point, but the growth of research ops as a field onto itself is um, like, there's just so much talent there and so many incredible systems thinkers who are helping us tackle what I think is one of the biggest challenges perpetually in front of us, which is democratization. Oh boy, I remember, I'm not going to get her name right, but the, um, the escape velocity talk from 2020. Molly Stevens. Molly Stevens shook me to my core. <laughs> I absolutely shook me to my core. And um, that is still like a, a challenge that we're untangling. And I think so many of us are so close at having a, a killer vision for what we want in our organizations. And I'm, I'm looking for that conversation to start to happen in aggregate around like, no, we're not a function of design. We're not, it, like a lot of us still report up into design and up into product, but we're not a subset of either of those disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not people who just exist in an organization because product managers and designers don't have time to do research. We're a science, a culture, and a community unto ourselves. Um, we've really built out the research leadership team over the last year, even just the last six months. And those are the conversations we're having at Toast. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to connecting with other research leadership teams who are doing the same. Yeah, I think, I think that's huge. I'm uh, long been a proponent for it to be its own function. You know, I think one day we'll have chief research officers. They might be called chief information officers, who knows what. But I think that it's that important. It's the way the entire organization makes choices based on the information they have. And if they have not so good information or no information or bad information, they're not going to make good choices. I don't sell yourself short on having um, evangelized the term learners. I don't think chief learning, <laughs> I, I think chief learning office officer is a pretty good title. I don't mind that either, to be honest with you. That's, uh, I, I, it's funny, you know, we can get into a whole conversation in the future about why we picked that name, but I think it's definitely a, speaks to the, the ethos of how we think about growth. Um, that there's, there's no end point every day, the world changes and therefore the opportunities to learn change. So you're never done being a learner kind of thing, but a conversation for another day. I promised I'd answer the question too. So I'll tell you one thing that I'm, I'm looking forward to and another challenge that I think is, is coming, you know, just to build off of your point, I'm looking forward to more chutzpah. I want to see some chutzpah from the community. I want to see that audacity yeah. <laughs> because we're so, uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but almost timid, right? And, you know, it's not serving us well. Okay. I think you and I both know who's going to address the root of that at UXR Conf this year. <laughs> no surprise. It is Vivian Castillo. Classic. I, I, I cannot, I don't want to spoil anything, but I, I am breathless for the moment when she takes the stage to talk about this. We, we have to be very careful when we plan her talk in the program because people, every time she speaks, we need to make sure that people have a break afterwards to digest <laughs> yes. everything that's just come at them because it's always very uh, heavy with insight, I'll say. Heavy with some uh, internal dialogues and discussions that will be had afterwards, let's say that. Yeah. I will be bringing a journal and hiding in the bathroom with it after her talk. Like that is my, <laughs> that is my plan. I am just so grateful that I'm not going after that one. So yeah, no, thank no, you so much. There, for will, there will be a lunch after her talk so that we can all <laughs> go through that together. We can all process. 
I've mentioned her a couple of times now, my manager, Tara DiMaggio, the infamous mermaid, the the design leader who lives and breathes in the problem space. And um, she, ca- I, I will caveat this. I have never seen the movie Braveheart and neither has she. <laughs> but <laughs> she calls this and she's been pushing me and other members of our research leadership team and other members of the entire research team to do this over and over again to take on that Braveheart moment where like you put on your kilt and you put on the blue and white face paint and you get on the horse and you point your sword. And it's not like, hey, here are these findings and you might want to do something with them. Yeah, Like that would be great. And it's more like charge. This is yeah. the direction we're going. Yeah. And um, it's been so interesting to watch as with that kind of encouragement, with that permission giving, a lot of the teams that have traditionally been product-led and are structured to be product-led are becoming UX-led. And that's designers and researchers. Yeah, I think that's, there's a lot of exciting stuff and it's wonderful that you have an amazing partner at Toast to kind of make that happen. Because a lot of times, you know, it just doesn't work out that way. It's unfortunate. But I'll tell you one thing, one thing that we got to get better at. And I think is going to be a huge challenge for us. It's like, Assuming you're working in the private sector, we need to become more comfortable in the language of business. We need to understand the conversations and pressures that people are under that are in the decision-making roles or we're not going to get very far, right? Like if you don't know what a, what a CAC to LTV ratio is as a researcher, mm-hmm. that's going to be a problem for, for your growth yeah. because every single executive at your team knows what that is and cares an awful lot about that. Absolutely. And so if you're a researcher and you know what that is and you know that people care about it and you can find something that helps improve that ratio, or I guess in this case, decrease the ratio, um, then all of a sudden people are going to be much more interested in what you have to say. So I think a big part of it is we need to become better business people in order to become more effective researchers. And I think it's going to be a big challenge for a lot of us because we've kind of avoided it. It feels kind of icky sometimes. But this is the way bills get paid. <laughs> this is how we maintain employment, right? Oh boy. I um, yeah. hate capitalism, love money, and this is how the game is played. <laughs> um, I could not agree more. And um, I think this is, can we bring, can, let's bring it back to feelings. Yes, um, sure. I, lo- I love talking about feelings. I'm really open about my own feelings. My team, we desired a new a researcher, she comes from like very small startup environments and has been like, she's a great quant skill set. Um, she was like, do y'all talk about feelings this much all the time? At the, end, <laughs> at the end of week one, I had a rap conversation with her and I was like, you know, Emily, how are you doing? You okay? Is there anything you're really anxious about? And she was like, there seem to be a lot of feelings on the team. And I was like, yeah, that's normal. <laughs> we have We have big feelings and we talk about them. Work is a lot more about feelings than, and leadership is a lot more about feelings, I think, than anyone, than anyone acknowledges. And um, it's not just the CAC to LTV ratio. It's like, how do people feel about it? Yeah. Um, And who's, who's in trouble when those numbers aren't right? And and who is, who's afraid and what does success look like? And um, numbers and feelings are not two different worlds. And we think about splitting them into qualitative and quantitative. And that's, it's a lot messier than that. Um, I'm a qualitative researcher. I think a lot of, not all of us, but a lot of us kind of start that way or, or feel that's where our comfort zone is and things that feel squishy. But if you, if you can't 
turn them into that Braveheart moment where you're like, charge, this is how we drive down Cactel TV. Like this is, that's how it's done. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because especially after the last few years, I've had the opportunity to basically do do the stuff that we do with the in-person component and then have that completely taken away. Yeah. And to your point about feelings, it is so much easier to build trust in a relationship when you break bread with someone. Never mind like go, you know, like get a coffee, but like when you sit down and have a meal with somebody or something, for example, right? Or go and have a drink with somebody or something like that. It's just a, a mile away from trying to do that stuff over over Zoom. And and to your point, like it, it's it's the same thing right? It's easier to impart feelings and connections in person. Well, what does that mean for how we work as researchers? Like even if you're in your remote company, maybe you got to make some trips to the people that you work with and help them feel like, hey, I'm on your side, right? That's a big part of it too. You know, one of the biggest things I've learned over the past two years is that everybody, I mean, we, as researchers, we know this, every human being is different and human beings don't behave predictably. But I, I've learned so much about myself. And I, I can't believe as a as someone who works at a company that serves restaurants, I'm about to disagree with you, but not everyone works that way. Really? Yeah. Not everyone works that way. Oh man. Um, are you an extrovert? No. Really? Well, let me put it this way. I, I spend a lot of time talking to people. It it takes a lot of emotional energy out of me. Yeah. So I think it depends how you define it. If it's around how much time you spend with people, then you would say that I am. But yeah. it's it, it, t- it takes a lot of work out of me. I can't do it like all day, all day kind of thing, or I'll collapse into a puddle on the floor. And do you? But it sounds like you miss the in-person part. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, I don't miss it at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't miss it at all. And I I find that I I um I think I'm closer to some of my team members and other folks at the organization. Like if I can get a glimpse into their world, like I can meet their dog, their kid comes in front of the camera and we can talk about Frozen 2 for 15 minutes. That has cracked open deeper relationships with even stakeholders who are more open about what they're anxious about or what they think the consequences of something, a bad decision are going to be. And that's the stuff I want to talk about. Like going back to how we figure out what questions to prioritize and what parts of the business really need someone. That's part of what I look for is like, Mm -hmm. okay, not only is there demand here, but we're talking openly about the risks of a decision and how learning can help de-risk that decision. Like this is a great place for a researcher. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I've been doing it for two years, but it's a lot easier for me to have an open, honest, vulnerable conversation with someone when I know I can shut down my laptop and walk away and no one's going to follow me to the bathroom. Well, well you've, you've already broadened my horizons here. Um, <laughs> this, is, this has been great. Thank you so much for making the time to, to, to chat. And I'm really excited for your talk. I, I feel like I'm going to walk away with like a better understanding of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the which goal, Which will be right? really nice. That's always the goal. I just, I have one more thing to say, which is that earlier I said the death of George Floyd. And I just want to clarify that it was the murder of George Floyd. George Floyd. Well said. I just want to be super clear about that. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, thank you so much for for joining, and I, I can't wait to see hang out in person. Hopefully, it's not too overwhelming for you. And <laughs> as long as you're not following me into the bathroom, we're good. I promise you, I will not. <laughs> can't wait to see you. Cool. All right, I'll talk to you soon, Deirdre. Thanks for joining. Bye. Bye. For everyone tuning in, that was Deirdre Costello, Director of UX Insights at Toast. 
And we're going to be doing a few more of these before UXR Conf kicks off. Very excited uh, for that event. So if you want to join us virtually, it's free. Go to uxrconference.com. If you want to join us in person, we'd love to see you. Uh, head to uxrconference.com and grab an in-person ticket. If you got a group, shoot us an email to hello at joinlearners.com for some group rates. And looking forward to learning with you in just a few weeks. Take care.